The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fifty-one plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. High fly ball, back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, back to right, looking to the sun. Twenty-five lighters for my twenty-five folks. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero Brought to you by our good friends at Armchair Media and our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one home for any and all online wagering, whether that be for baseball getting up here as you can get some futures bets, whether that be for spring football going on, or I don't know, maybe this little thing called March Madness. If you want to play some bracket challenges, Bet Online has you covered there. All the lines for all the crazy March Madness lines that we've all just taken as gospel, whether that's 13 seeds dominating in their playoff fields or whether that's the Cinderella story maybe Chicago Loyola going through I don't know you probably know a little bit more about it than me but if you go to betonline.ag today, you'll see all those lines. And it's not just the advanced lines. They've got prop bets. They've got parlays. They've got straight bets if you're a beginner. They've got lines for everybody. It's not just for beginners. It's not just for advanced players. It's for everybody. And if you want to make your sports viewing experience just a little bit more exciting, throw a little money on it, and I guarantee you, you will be watching it a whole lot more. That's not all. If you use our promo code ARMCHAIR, they're going to give you a nice little surprise on your initial deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code armchair okay so best part of today uh for all of you guys out there is a little tps in your cup as uh i don't know if you guys can tell by my voice it is very early uh probably the earliest doc and i have have, have recorded but for uh for myself and for doc we just had to get something done and doc i feel like we haven't spoken in a month basically ever since i moved in and it's just a breath of fresh air to hear your voice this bright and early morning well, I'm still feeling a little froggy this morning. I, I too, am still in the process of, of waking up. I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, at the, the tail end of the last episode, we said, we'll be back maybe next week, uh, but possibly the week after that. That was five <laughs> weeks ago. 
So uh, this is obviously long overdue. You know, we in the past, we have poked fun at people who try and extract real meaning out of uh, things that happen in spring training. And, you know, it's all just exhibitions and big leaguers hitting off of guys that have never pitched above high A and uh, just a a whole lot of really interesting situations. It's hard to extract value from. So we kind of we hung back on purpose just a little bit to not make ourselves look like fools, but now we are back. We can certainly make ourselves look like fools with whatever we say in the next, oh, I don't know, 36 minutes. <laughs> well, it's what happens when uh, life comes at you fast between moving, between children, between new jobs. A little bit of everything has happened in this past four to five week stretch, so it's nice to be able to get back and, and do a TPS. There's nothing really like doing a TPS. We're getting ready for the regular season, and I am so, so ready for the regular season. Yeah, me too. It's this spring training is is really uh you know, we're all just in a holding pattern. We all know how good the team was last year and how close they got. And so now it's like, all right, we can just dispense with all all of the nonsense. Let's let's get started. Let's dive right into the regular season. In my mind, it's April Fools' Day in Philadelphia already and uh and it's Freed versus Nola and it's uh it's so close at this point. I mean, Usually we can kind of set our set our watch by uh, by the TPS recording schedule, but since it's been so long, you know, you just blink and five weeks go by, and the regular season starts. Like in, you can measure it in a in a just a couple of days at this point. So yeah, man, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm ready to see uh, ready to see Acuna and Albies and Freeman just demolishing Nola to start the season. Well, speaking of starting the season, there's there. This was a weird, I wouldn't say weird, but this was a different spring training for for Braves and for Braves fans because this is one of the few times that we've come into a spring training and there really weren't any starter roles, like starting player position or position or, or starting pitcher roles, really. There really were no starting roles that were available. A couple bullpen spots and basically every bench spot, but really the entire starting nine is essentially solidified for maybe the first time uh maybe the first time since we've done a t like since we've been doing tps this might be the first time that there's no starter roles that we're actually being vied for this spring no that that's true and and i'm sure it gets gets frustrating sometimes when you you look at the starting lineup and it, you've got guys like Adrianza or Almonte or Philip Irvin in there. It's like, you know, we want to, we want to see Acuna and we want, we want to see Ozuna and all those guys, but you know, they're going to start, you know, you know, Ozzy Albies is going to be starting at second base on opening day, you know, God willing and, and the Creek don't rise and all that. So, um, you're just starting to see a, a lot of the the lesser known guys, your Philip Urbans and whatnot, getting some time because there are still some spots available on the bench for these guys and and for later in games when you're looking at guys like Michael Harris, Bryce Ball, they they've been reassigned to minor league camp, but I suppose that it hasn't really been determined where they're going to wind up. So that's why you're seeing a lot of those guys there. It's n- it's nice knowing how much of the team is solidified and you just kind of have to round out the edges a little bit. Exactly. It's a good problem to have. And it's, you see it no better place than the starting pitching, which I think that's a pretty decent segue. If I do say so myself to get us into our first topic of the show. Oh, um, <laughs> but I mean, we've, we've got, all five spots are figured out. The only thing that's being battled for right now is who is going to make the two to three starts until Soroka is back. And I actually think they haven't really announced that Soroka is going to not be there on opening day or he, that he's going to miss time. But I think that all the trends point in that direction. I think it's a smart thing for the Braves to do to maybe 
make him take a little bit extra time, maybe take off the first month just to make sure he's fully healthy. Coming back from a, a torn Achilles in five months is pretty ridiculous. Um, but the Braves, since they do have that plethora of riches, they really don't have any reason to force Soroka back early and all the reason in the world not to. And we've seen this battle throughout camp, and essentially it's the same three guys that were battling for this last year at times. And it's Waskar Anoa, it's Bryce Wilson, and it's Kyle Wright. And I think last year we could definitively say Kyle the, the pecking order would have been Wright, Wilson, Enoa. And... Just looking at it this spring, just watching the three of them pitch, I think it's completely reversed now. I would out of now I know Wasker did not pitch well yesterday, um, but that was really the first bad outing he's had this spring. I mean, numbers aside, because spring training overall numbers are very shaky to look at. You got to consider when like switching out defenses. You got to consider uh, in spring if they're working on a set pitch. Like for example, Wasker's been working on his split uh, or his his split change. Kyle's been working on his off speed and trying to get a little bit pin, more pinpoint with his command. Bryce has been kind of doing the same thing, just kind of trying to extrapolate a little bit more on what he started doing before the playoffs as far as his locations. But when you look at the three and you watch the three pitch, Wasker Noah, I think, has been pretty easily the most electric of the three. Uh, Bryce has been the, the steadiest of the three, which I, I don't think you or I should be shocked at at all. I think every time we talk about Bryce, that tends to be what we mention with him as far as being a major league starter is this is a guy that throws a ton of strikes, so the floor should be high, even if the ceiling might not be. But for Kyle Wright... I think that I think that he's definitive, definitively in third place among among these guys. Wholeheartedly agree. If if you are going on pure arsenal, Wasker Inoa has the crown right now. His stuff is just popping. It looks great. There's uh, you alluded to uh, what we've been able to see on TV, which has been pretty limited. There will start to be a little bit more exposure um, coming up here pretty soon between now and when the season starts. But yeah, he's he's. Touching 97, 98 at times. Uh, his breaking stuff is really, really sharp. He is getting hit around a little bit. If it's results you're looking for, which once again, it's spring training, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt, then it's Bryce Wilson. You know, he went out the other day and pitched four innings without a walk or a strikeout, which is, you see so many... It's hard to do. That's, that's really, really hard, hard to do. Like, it doesn't sound hard to do, but he gave up contact to literally every batter he faced. That's, he gave up at least 28, like, contact pieces. Not 28. Why am I saying 28? That's, I'm an idiot. Uh, at least lot. 12. At least 12. <laughs> I'm such a moron. Forget that, everybody. I told you guys it's early. But, yeah, I, I, I like... I, see, I'll disagree a little bit on Wasker. I don't really think he's been hit around hard. Like, this last time he was hit pretty hard. In his final innings, he he's kind of lost it a little bit, which for Wasker, that's that's obviously the thing. For three innings or for about 55-ish pitches, Wasker is the best of the three. His stuff is better. He's also got a new arm slot this year, which is really, really taken off. If you guys aren't following David Lee, you should be because he had a write-up about this exact same thing, uh, talking about how Wasker's raised his arm slot almost to an over-the-top. It's a really high three-quarter now. But what it's really done is it's given a lot of plane illusion on his fastball to where it looks lower than it is, and he's blowing it by people upstairs. And it's made his slider a little bit more consistent, and it tunnels a little bit better. So I think... I think if I were to hang it right now, I still think Bryce is the most likely to get starts. But I'm not going to be shocked. Like, let's say that there's four starts. 
before Soroka gets back because they're not going to need him the first two weeks anyway. Uh, they You rarely ever need a, a fifth starter for the first two weeks. Um, but even after that, let's say he misses four starts. I wouldn't be shocked if the Braves run four different starting pitchers in those four starts. No, I could, I could certainly see it. Here's here's one point that I wanted to make on Inoa is that they just recently announced that they are going to stretch him back out as a starter, right? Because he, yeah. he, was, he was in middle relief last year. Yeah, I think you and I both had him pegged. I, I certainly had him pegged for a reliever spot. Like I thought, for, I thought he'd be in the Luke Jackson role. And then when they came out and said they were stretching him out, it was a pleasant surprise because you know me, you know I'm the president of the Oscar Noah fan club. But I, I was a little surprised by it. No, and and I was as well. And you're starting to see why they did that. But what's important to remember is that we all want this to work now. Um, but I kind of am of the mindset that because Enoa's got options left that he's going to start the season at AAA and continue to refine his pitch mix and that Wilson is going to be the guy that gets gets the brunt of that fifth starter work. I can see Kyle Wright getting a start in there. I can see Tukey getting a start as well because even though he hasn't been spotless this spring, he's still been pretty good. We talked – it might have even been the last episode. It's been so long, it's hard to tell. It, <laughs> it, it might have even been the last episode where we were saying Tukey as a starter is – it's just done. He's had his chances. He hasn't taken advantage. And now he's kind of tantalizing us all again this spring. So if they've got the time, if they've got it on the calendar to where where they need four starts, I can see Wilson, Tukey, and Wright all getting starts. And I think that Inoa will come back up and see time as a starter this year. But even if Inoa as a starter doesn't work necessarily in 2021, it doesn't have to work this year because of the depth. You want it to, but you... He's still only 22. So I was about to say like it seems like he's been around forever but he's 22. He's the youngest of the four that we're talking about. Yeah, he was uh he was 21 when he made his debut. I mean and the God, that Jaime Garcia deal, I feel I mean what was that 2017? What a for one start of Jaime Garcia. What a coup. What a trade that was. And there were people that were mad that they didn't get Nick Birdie or Zach Birdie, one of the Birdie brothers. I mean, I think I think one of – it was Nick Birdie. Zach was with the White Sox at the time. Yeah. And, and Nick ended up going to the Pirates. Yeah, that sounds right. But uh, I think you and I were one of those because you and I are looking at the, the Twins. You're like, oh, yeah, bring me 103-mile-an-hour Nick Birdie. But I, uh, I, 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 t- I think I agree. I still think when you're talking about this year, I'm – I love Wasker as a starter. I want him to be a starter forever. Uh, I like that you brought up Tukey because he has pitched, for the most part, like one outing aside, he's pitched very well this spring. Um, and I think I've always thought that Tukey or Wasker were more likely to begin the year on the big league roster because you do need more righties in the bullpen. I think Carl Edwards has, has pretty much solidified one of those spots. But the, the back end of our bullpen, the best guys in the bullpen, are mostly left-handed. The only real top-notch righty reliever we have is Chris Martin. Uh, so I've, I thought, Tukey, I still think, is going to wind up in the back end of a bullpen because I see him and I just think Rysel Iglesias. I think he's a guy that you can have him pitch backwards with that electric curveball. He's got a good slider and a good changeup as well. And if his fastball command is on, then he's dominant, but he can go multiple innings. Rysel Iglesias was a starter that wasn't quite consistent enough with his command, so they moved him to the back end, and he really took off. I've always thought that Tukey would be that type of guy, too, but I do think that Tukey or Wasco, one of those two, will be on the big league club for no other reason than the fact that they have such good stuff 
that you want them to at least be able to give you something. And if Tukey's going to be a reliever or a short outing guy uh, or, or a cleanup type of guy, having him on the big league roster to start the year is a boon because I do think that at this point, I'd rather have Tukey than Luke Jackson throwing, and that's not to say anything bad about Luke. Luke was good two years ago. Last year wasn't great for him. The spring has been kind of up and down for him. But between Tukey and Waskar, I think you can make the case for either or both of them that their real future in Atlanta, anyway, is going to be in the bullpen. As much as I love Waskar, just being realistic, Waskar has yet to show that he can carry his command beyond 65-ish pitches. The most he's ever thrown in an outing was that 75 against the Dodgers, where he actually pitched very well. He pitched amazing, but between those two guys, it's a good problem to have for, for either or both of them to end up being your cleanup guys, or even if you end up pairing the two together. But I, I think that's a pretty decent call on Tukey. I happen to think he's probably done as a starter. Uh, I, I think he's. it's telling to me that he hasn't gotten a start this spring. They've thrown, a, like he's come in and, and cleaned up. He's thrown multiple innings basically every time he's come out there. But I do think that that's something, I think that's one of the strengths of this Braves bullpen is that everybody can throw multiple innings. So I wouldn't be shocked if Tukey got a start, but I think it's going to be mostly Bryce. Maybe they'll give Kyle a chance just because Kyle's probably, Kyle's the oldest, I believe, of these four um, with, the, with the, the pedigree from Vandy. And I know the Braves, Kyle is the guy that the Braves want to take this. Um, he hasn't shown that he can, but I don't think the Braves are quite ready to give up because Kyle's one of these guys that he'll have he'll have these outings where you'll remember like, oh yeah, this guy was potentially a one one guy for a time, and then he'll have other outings where you're like, does this guy even know how to pitch? It's 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 the the insane amount of variance between Kyle Wright and it, I don't want to compare him to Newcomb because. It's it's a little bit different because Kyle's been more successful than Newcomb at the big league level, uh, despite neither of them having a ton of success. But it is kind of similar. Like the the struggles that those two face are kind of similar. And we'll talk about Newcomb here once we really dig into the bullpen. But it just seems to me that Kyle is definitively behind these other three because. I don't know if it's just since he moved over to the first base side of the rubber and it's kind of lessened the effect of his slider, but he doesn't seem to have a put-away pitch now. Like, he gets to two strikes regularly. It's Once he gets to those two strikes, he just seems to be unable to put guys away, and it runs up pitch counts, and then he starts getting hit around with two strikes on him, which is not something you want to see from your pitchers. No, and... If it was just an isolated incident, it happened here, it happened there, you can live with it. But that's been that's been one of the biggest bugaboos for Kyle Wright. And if you were comparing him to Newcomb in that way, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they they both have good stuff, but they don't quite have the wipeout stuff that, that you see out of, like, Tukey's curveball, just to use an instant, right. just to call out one particular pitch where it's really like you've seen grown men who, who make a lot of money playing baseball that just really look foolish. <laughs> he made Marcel. Never forget, he made Marcelo Zuno look foolish. I was thinking about the that at bat just the other day. Like the uh, the body language between the two was just hilarious. <laughs> God, Zuno just kind of stared at him, gave him that little side eye. That, that at the time we didn't realize that that's kind of what Marcel was like all the time. But you know, all right. So you were you were talking about the bullpen, and and we'll get to that when we dive into it. We're diving into it now. You look at yes. you look at some of these some of these guys that are trying to make it as starters, like like Tukey, like Inoa, which, like I said, I think I think Inoa winds up in AAA so he can continue to get stretched out. But for the early part of the season, since you just need four starters, 
And even the starters you have may not be going as long. So you got four starters, nine relievers. You're going to need some guys that can absorb some innings. Now, they have Josh Tomlin out there. Brought him back on a $1 million deal, or $1 million and some change. But Tomlin hasn't pitched all spring. And I'm kind of wondering what's going on there. Uh, not that they would really just cut bait with somebody that they signed to a major league deal. Even if it is just $1 million, I think that... Tukey and Wilson are both going to wind up in the bullpen on opening day. Wilson, so he can probably come in and absorb some innings between opening day and whenever he gets his first start. And Tukey as a contingency, just in case they need somebody to come out and throw three, four innings. Because things get squirrely in the early part of the season. But aside from that, there really aren't a whole lot of other open jobs in the in the, uh, in the the bullpen. Like, you know, as far as righties go, you got Chris Martin. You got Luke Jackson, so everybody's favorite reliever, Luke Jackson. Uh, Jacob Webb is certainly going to be out there. That's the guy I'm watching. He could be a closer probably by the end of this season. Or he could at least be in that mix. You can do closer by committee when you've got Martin Smith, Matzik Minter. You throw Webb in there, that's pretty electric. He's got great stuff. It's just always been a question of staying healthy for him. With Webb, he... For me, the question on on Webb is his command because he'll he'll kind of rotate when he's on. He's he's electric. You're absolutely right. But then there's other times where like he throws a lot of strikes, but it, the strikes don't can get away from him at a time. And it's really more his mechanics and his release point will get away from him at time. But I, I agree. I think Webb is. I think he's at least for me. He tends to be the forgotten guy because he's hurt so much. But I think there's no doubt that he's going to be in this bullpen. Uh, I think that it's a good thing because there's not a lot of high upside righties in this bullpen as it stands right now that aren't like starters that we're talking about moving to the pin. Chris Martin is is really about it. I do think Carl Edwards Jr. is going to be in. I think he's going to be the one to win out on the spot. I don't know about Victor Arano. We haven't really seen him very much. Um, Nate Jones has pitched well, but I, I, I just think, I just think Edwards is the, is the highest upside play. Edwards struggles with walks too, but he's also a guy that's got real electric stuff uh, when he's pounding the zone as well. So, um, I I I do kind of agree. I think Bryce is the likeliest candidate out of all of these to start on the big league roster, unless the Braves are just going to be dead set on him being stretched out and roll with with kind of a patchwork. I don't think they're going to cut bait with Tomlin. When you've been around for a million years like Josh Tomlin, spring training's not ultra important. He can throw bullpens or simulated games and kind of get the same effect. It's not like the Braves are expecting him to go out there and punch out 15 guys, so you're not having to work on stuff like that. I think he'll be in there. Uh, I, I hope he's not used a ton, to be honest. I think Josh is used best when he's not used all that often, uh, when he can be kind of the cleanup guy. Um I am interested to see how this bullpen shakes out, though, because we did mention Newcomb a little bit earlier, uh, and, and that's another one that, that people kind of will throw Newcomb's name around in the bullpen based off of maybe some misconceptions about when he first moved to the bullpen. In that first month, he was pretty good. Um, I just I think that even though that this is a big year for Newcomb, potentially, I, I think the ship has sailed on Newcomb, period. So I think I think if you're looking for, for somebody that the Braves could try to showcase at the back end of spring training and then make a swing a deal before the season starts, I think Newcomb is that prime candidate guy because I don't think he really is going to feature too much into the future of the plans, not unless he comes out and something changes drastically with him within the next couple weeks before the season actually starts because up to now, if you're... 
if you're trying to draw out your your top seven starters or your top seven bullpen guys, I don't think Newcomb is on either list. The biggest thing that's working against Newcomb right now is the fact that he's left-handed. You know, he was much better as a reliever. He's still not elite, but he's still he was he did prove to be better as a reliever than he was as a starter. But the problem is you're looking at Will Smith, Tyler Matzik, AJ Minter, and then even let's say that something happens with you know let's say Bryce really shoves for the for the next couple of weeks and he's like a permanent fixture in the rotation. And when Soroka comes back, then what do you do with Drew Smiley? Okay, well, you put him in the bullpen, and that's a fourth lefty. So then when you're really looking at Sean Newcomb being your fifth best option as a, as a one-inning lefty, I mean, he's just been completely squeezed. And it's, it's unfortunate, but we're going to talk about the bench here in a little bit. And you also mentioned maybe he could get showcased in spring training. Well, Nuke is probably the type of guy, if you're going to make a deal, maybe like a change of scenery type guy, he's he's kind of done here, which is not a knock on Sean. Like I said, there's there's just kind of no place for him right now. And he does have an option where you could send him down to Gwinnett or send him to the alt site and hope it finally clicks with him, but he just hasn't been able to, to break through. So in last night's game against the Orioles, Morton went four and a third, and I... You know, Nuke came in. I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to see him log two innings, three innings. They gave him two outs, and then they pulled him. And, you know, that's what they were doing with Phil Pfeiffer. That's that's what they were doing with guys. You know, they just released Phil Pfeiffer. You know, so Nuke is obviously very low on the totem pole. He's not too high in the pecking order. So I would – do I want to say this or not? Sure, why not? Uh, I, w- I would be surprised if we see Sean Newcomb – on the Braves in a professional, like, as a major leaguer during the regular season again. I I'm, I think I would tend to agree with you there. I mean, he might ride the shuttle bus if they need some help, especially if, if the bullpen kind of – if they end up having to use a lot of bullpen guys in, in any of the first four games, knowing that there's not going to be a real fifth starter, I could see Newcomb get – thrown an inning or two early on um, but I agree with you I think that he's by far the low man on the totem pole and it's not just that he's been passed up by you know the Bryce Wilsons and Kyle Wrights and Wasker Noahs he's also been passed up by Kyle Muller and Tucker Davidson and maybe not just Seal De La Cruz yet but I don't think that'll take much longer either um Overall, it's a good problem for the Braves to have because it just means that you've got so many prospects that are close or right at that big league level or ready to make debuts or, or get more starts at the big league level that you're able to start refining these all this this glut of prospects that you've had. Um, the Drew Smiley thing is very interesting because the first outing for Drew Smiley, I was like, holy crap, maybe I was wrong. Um <laughs> he struggled a little bit since then, but again, spring training stats. So it, it's hard to figure out how much of that is him struggling, how much of that is him working on a particular pitch, because a lot of that goes on in spring too. Especially if you know that you already have a bullpen spot. But we've talked about that long enough. We're actually going to run out of time here if I don't stop rambling. So you did mention the bench, and we do need to talk about that because the bench is really the spot where you've got the most competition going on right now. Before we get into that, just a refresher for Bet Online. If you want to place good lines on future bets, whether that be for the Braves winning the World Series, which could totally happen, or just the Braves repeating as NLE's champions, go to BetOnline.ag today and lay your futures bets. But speaking of that bench, 
I don't know if there's a more divisive battle in Brave Spring Training. You know, we all like to have divisive battles. We all like to pick sides. But this bench, I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty assured in what I think is going to happen. The only question is whether they're going to carry five or six bench players. Um, I don't know how they're going to do with pitchers batting makes you think that they might carry an extra bench piece if they don't want to utilize the backup catcher as a pinch hitter during games, which we know Snicker has been very reticent to do in his career. Uh, so it, it is an interesting conundrum. It can help that the Braves, that everybody in the Braves bullpen is multi-inning guys, so you might not necessarily have to have that extra bullpen piece, even if you are trying to thin out the herd a little bit. Um, but I think I think you and I can both confidently say that we will see some form of Jacob Lamb um, I think Ender and Ciarte is pretty safe bet on the bench, and then I I think Alex Jackson is your backup. I think those three are safe. It's the rest of the the rest of the spots that you're having this competition between like eight guys, and we've seen some guys separate themselves this spring. The biggest question for me about the bench, and this is about to ruffle some feathers, but I've got to keep it in our mind, is whether or not they're going to try and play service time games with Christian Pache. And the only reason why I bring it up, and and you and I talked about this beforehand when we were kind of pre gaming a little bit. But the defense is obviously there, and we, we know that the bat is kind of lagging behind. It has gotten much better, and he is hitting with authority to the opposite field, which is something that was really missing out of his game. That's huge. But they are in a position where they could game the system just a little bit and have it not be quite as egregious as, like, a Chris Bryant situation, right? Like, when the whole Chris Bryant thing happened, his OPS was, like, 1,700. He was... Mm, mashing in spring training and they sent him down and they're like we need you to work on your defense until this exact date and after that you should be fine right with Pache even with some really bad Babbitt luck I know he's had a couple of hits stolen at least two home runs stolen from him he's not hitting great from a results perspective and without the games being televised it's hard to know how much of that is bad Babbitt luck uh, how much of that is just weak grounders you know so if they do decide to game the system and start Enciarte in center, who Ender is hitting a little bit better, okay, so we can all rejoice there, um, then I think that you're looking at Philip Irvin on the bench over a guy like Heredia or a guy like Almonte. If not, then Enciarte is going to take that, that outfield spot. I think you're right about Lamb. He's going to make it. I think Alex Jackson is going to be um, the backup on opening day. But I also think that William Contreras will see meaningful time this year, I know that a lot of people, that's that's kind of the big thing right now, is will it be Contreras, will it be Jackson? I think Contreras needs a little bit more seasoning in AAA, but his defense has taken a big step forward. Uh, you saw him hit in a small sample size at the Major League level last year, so uh, we're talking about service time games for Pache. They might be gaming Contreras in that same way, just a little bit. Um, you and I disagreed on Camargo. Uh, I think he's going to make it. You said you did not because he's kind of redundant with a guy like Adrianza, switch hitter who can play everywhere type, who's got a little bit of power. And he's got, and he's got two options. I think the options are going to hurt Camargo more than anything else. Um, that and Camargo hasn't hit at all this spring. Adrianza's played good defense, and he's hit. I mean, he was OPSing over twelve hundred like earlier this week. So uh, Adrianza has been really, really. He's been a real bright spot this spring, and that's good because he basically was was signed just to take over the Echeverria role. But he's hitting too, so I think Adrianza is for sure the backup middle infielder. I know Camargo's gotten a lot of, of shortstop reps, and he hasn't looked horrible. Um, 
he has leaned himself up a little bit coming into this year. He, he felt that he got a little too heavy. He just hasn't hit consistently. Now, when Camargo's hitting from the right side, it's a different Camargo, but the vast majority of, of pitchers the Braves are going to face this year are righties, and Camargo has not hit very well left-handed at all this spring. Really hasn't hit very well left-handed for the last two and a half years, as much as I hate to say it, because you know how much I love Camargo. Um, I think Kipnis is a pretty safe bet, too, because he's he's essentially he's Nick Marcakis at this point. He's going to give you good at-bats. He's going to make a lot of contact. He's not going to strike out a ton. It's not always going to be great contact, but he's at least going to put the ball in play. He'll take his walks and stuff like that. Um, Lamb hasn't been good this spring, but he's he's the guy with the biggest track record. I, I know Pablo Sandoval is hitting like 360, but Pablo Sandoval should not make this roster. Um I have no faith in Pablo to really do anything because he's not a good defender. He's really not a good hitter. This short, short spring training sample size notwithstanding, he's not been a great hitter for years. Uh, so I think you can write him off. I happen to think, I don't think Contreras will see meaningful time unless Darno gets hurt. So I think I think Alex is Alex Jackson is a is the type of backup catcher that you want because he's a really good defender. He's got a really good arm. He's a he's a dang near elite framer now. And he does have big-time power. Now he has like a 25-grade hit tool, so it's hard to reach that power. But he's a lot like a Mike Zanino. And if you if you give him... Basically, the way I think of Alex Jackson is I don't think it does him well to get one or two at-bats a game. I think he's a guy that if he gets four at-bats, then you know he might get one hit out of those four. He, or he might go one for, one for six, but that one hit will be a double or a homer. It's very Mike Zanino-esque, but that's a guy that's gonna you're going to look up and he's going to have a 15-year career. Uh, and I think that the Braves should be confident in him as the backup because I do think he's an eventual backup type pretty much wherever he goes but for a backup catcher defense to me is more important defense and how you handle the pitching staff is more important than offense and I think as, as much as I love Contreras I think it would be better served for him to continue refining his game because when you talk about the catchers Darno, Jackson, Contreras and Langoliers, Contreras is the one who has the most work to do on his receiving and on his game calling and that's something that he can refine in the minors uh, and get full-time ABs. I think he I actually think his bat is the most promising out of all those not named Darno. And it could be better than Darno's at, at, at some point, too. Uh, I think I think Contreras is the guy that has the highest upside of all the catchers. I think Langoliers has the highest floor. But I think that it would be best served for William to get every day at bats in AAA. And that if Darno gets hurt, then you call up Contreras when you, when you call him up to start, basically. I don't think they want to call him up to have him sit on the bench. No, I'd, I'd say that's fair. It's a, it's a similar thing with with Pache. Like even even if you you have him on the the opening day bench, it's kind of a it's kind of a waste. Get him get him the reps every day. One thing one right. thing that I do like about Alex Jackson above above Contreras is the fact that a lot of the guys that are going to be in the rotation now, your Freed, Anderson, Soroka, is that these guys have been throwing to Jackson for years. They all kind of came up in the minors together. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of comfort there. Uh, one more point on the bench. I know that we get we got to wrap it up pretty soon because Dylan Short is recording another podcast after this one. But the thing that is working against Jason Kipnis the most is the fact that he's left-handed. When you're you know Camargo is a switch hitter, but you know if he's facing a righty, then he's going to bat lefty. Lamb's a lefty. Enciarte is a lefty. Adrianza is a switch hitter. So at least. At least with Camargo and Adrianza, you have the right-handed component in there if you need it. Kipnis is hitting better uh, than Camargo is, and he's got some positional versatility, but he's just another lefty. So you you do want um, you do want to kind of mix and match there. 
and I, I don't think that I don't think that you're going to want to carry an extra righty guy like Philip Irvin if it means you have to use that as a mechanism to force Christian Pache into service time games. I think it needs to be kind of an organic decision. But uh, as of now, um, there could be a possibility that somebody, like we talked about trading Newcomb for a bench piece, a change of scenery type guy, um, I can still see that happening between now and when opening day happens. And, and we didn't even really mention Irvin. Irvin's been the best hitter of anybody vying for a bench spot. And I would like to see Irvin on the roster because he's got a good mix of power, defense, and speed. Uh, I think that if you're talking about a guy that I think could be the most valuable off the bench, Lamb, if he hits, would be the most valuable. But it's still a big question on if he hits. I know he had a really good like 14-game stretch with Oakland, but... Aside from that, Lamb hasn't done anything since 2017. And even 2017, we, we just see that he made an all-star team and we're like, wow, he was really good in 2017. It was really only a two-and-a-half war season for him. He wasn't that good. It's just third base was – I don't know if people forget this. I, I, I almost forgot it until I started thinking about that a little bit more. Third base was a little bit of a wasteland back in 2017. There really weren't many third basemen going around the league. Like you had your Arenados and your Rendones, but – Third base wasn't what it is right now, and I just don't think that Lamb. I don't think Lamb is enough of a player that I think that he should just automatically be assumed to be the best player on this bench. He's got that power potential. Um, he just he has trouble reaching it because he's one. He has trouble staying healthy. Two, he he swings and misses too much, and just you know I just don't think that he's. I just don't think that he's a guy that I would count on to be electric, electric off the bench. And I, I love what I've seen from Irvin and in his sample size in the major league teams. He's, he's done a lot of what Adam Duvall has done. Um, I would like to see Irvin get a shot, but again, you'd have to commit to carrying six bench members, and I don't know if they're going to do that. I think it'd probably be smart to do that, um, just knowing that pitchers are going to hit, so you're going to run through more bench players. But we'll, we'll see how Snit and Alex want to shake it out because I'm sure they've got their own thoughts already. I'm sure they've already got it figured out what they're going to do. Um, but for me, the two guys that have done the best this spring in vying for the bench are Adrianza and Irvin. And I, I think that if you're committed to taking the best 26 into the, into the season, I think Irvin makes that best 26. He certainly should, but sometimes you have to play politics and you have to get a little creative <laughs> with the way you put your roster. And by the way, by the way, this is all totally reliant on who else gets cut at the end, too, because Alex loves to to pick out of the bargain bin before the season starts. That's how we got Matt Joyce, and Matt Joyce came out and had himself an outstanding couple years. I think that that's, that's another one to keep an eye on. If there's a surprise cut anywhere or somebody that just quite doesn't make it, I wouldn't be shocked if Alex puts in on that either because I don't think, I don't think that he's necessarily super committed to anybody on this bench. I mean, if somebody were to say, hey, we'll take Ender and his whole contract right now, it wouldn't matter if the Braves had a guy to put in behind him. They'd be like, all right, sure, here you go. Uh, and they'd basically they'd drive him there themselves. So there's still, there's still some work to be done. There's still some potential things that could change for this bench. Um, but for me, that's, that's really the exciting spot. Uh, I don't want to say exciting, but that's, that's really like the, the, the spot to watch. I'm confident in all of our starters. Um, you know, with the exception of, you know, one guy um, who you guys know at this point, and it's not Dansby. Uh, I think Dansby will be fine. I think he'll have another average season. I think we'll see the same thing that we always see from Dansby. He'll have that two-month stretch where he carries the team for a minute and looks like he's going to be Trey Turner, and then we'll see him go in the tank for a little bit, and then we'll see him start to figure it out again. Yada, yada, yada. Same old, same old from Dansby. Riley, 
he's he's looked very good in spurts this spring. He's also looked not very good in spurts this spring. So kind of but again it's kind of what Riley does too we'll see what happens when we get to the regular season and these guys start seeing real pitchers for full games um but but this is the first season that Riley's been able to come in and he is clear-cut the guy at third base so we'll see if, if Riley's able to to transfer some of that contact rate from last year into quality of contact rate and we'll, we'll start to see how that goes for him but we are out of time for today, as I am just a busy, busy man nowadays. Um, but I do think that this is going to be very exciting, and, and we are going to, I promise you guys, we're going to be better about getting episodes out on a more regular basis. We didn't get to talk about the debate that I wanted to have, which was Drew Waters and Michael Harris. We'll, we'll shelve that for another time. This is a debate that's going to rage for a while in Braves country, but I'm going to talk to you uh, at some point about why maybe slow your roll just a little bit. But uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and end the show. We will be back again at some other point. Thank you guys for uh, being patient with us and not uh, haranguing us about spring training episodes, uh, <laughs> recognizing that there's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, we will be back in a more regular time, and this season we, w- we will be doing our, our, our normal season regimen. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Doc, for being with me again. I really missed you, sir. I missed you too, buddy. And, you know, I got to tell you, I think we were both pretty groggy at the very beginning of this episode, but I think we eventually both got there. And uh, thanks to everybody who uh, waited uh, not just five weeks between episodes, but also for us to uh, get rolling in the first ten minutes or so. And uh, let's see if my calculations are correct. Uh, the next episode, if we keep up our current schedule, is going to be April the 22nd. So as long as we <laughs> get in before that, we should be good. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back in another time. Uh, make sure that you download this one and let us know how you like this one. We've also got some other stuff coming in the works that we might be announcing through the TPS, uh, the TPS Twitter. So make sure you're keeping an eye on that. But we're going to go ahead and sign off now before I keep on rambling. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back another time here on the Platinum Sombrero. Mm-hmm.